We're going to be looking at Jesus' golden rule to, in verse 31, to do to others as you would have them do unto you. Now, there's different uh, variations of this rule that even other religions have. Uh, the Eastern religions, there's a few, when I was doing a little research, that they have a very similar saying, but a little different bent on it. Uh, Confucianism says, do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you, which is obvious. If I don't want you to harm me, I better not harm you. Hinduism says, do not do to others what would cause pain if it is done to you. And Buddhism says, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Which are all very true. If you don't want someone to do something negative or wrong to you, you should not do something wrong or negative to them. We would all agree with that. But when Jesus says to do to others as you would have them do to you, Jesus takes it a step farther because the Eastern religions are more of a passive, I, I'm not going to do or say or harm anybody in any way that I do not want to be harmed, so I'm, I'm refraining from doing something. When Jesus says to do to others as you'd have them to do to you, Jesus says do something proactive. It's not just refraining from doing something, but he's saying let's do something in return that's positive, that's going to reflect Jesus in people's lives. Now, this, and today we're going to be talking about loving our enemies uh, in Luke chapter 6, verses 31 to, to 37. And now there's, there's lots of reasons why we can have enemies. We can have enemies because we have a different uh, political stance than somebody else. It puts people at odds just because someone's a Democrat or a Republican. Republican. We voted for this person and that, not that person. That could put people at odds. A different nationality because... You are a white male who's blonde. That's almost the worst thing that you can be. But if, if you go, if you, if you're an American in a different country, let's say China, they're not looking on you with favor. We have it with the blacks and the whites and Mexicans in the north and the south. There's people are enemies just because of the, of their skin color. Uh, one person may from your past may have, has a, may have offended you. They may have caused you harm. They may have said something about you that you did not appreciate, they did not stand up for you, and now you have people in your life that you do not agree with, that you avoid, that they avoid you, and because there's some kind of issue in the past, they you, you stay away from each other. Or even just the fact that some people just do not get along with other people. There's not a specific reason, they just do not like each other. There's lots of reasons to have enemies. The enemies that Jesus is talking about are not those kinds of enemies. He's talking about the kind of enemies that his disciples were going to have if they chose to follow him. They would have enemies because they say, I am a follower of Jesus, because I tried to follow what Jesus taught, and because I tried to share Jesus with other people, they were going to face persecution. Now, we don't have necessarily that kind of enemy, but I would, I would venture to say that the things that Jesus taught his disciples on how to love enemies because there are Christians, would apply to the enemies that you have in your life on a regular basis, even if it's not exactly for the same reason. Let's, let's read verses 27 to 36 and see what does Jesus say about loving our enemies. Verse 27, verse 27 says, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. 
If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So the very first words Jesus says is, But I tell you who hear me. Now Jesus is talking to, a few weeks back we saw that Jesus picked his his 12 apostles out of a great big number of disciples and a large, a larger number of people who have come to hear what Jesus said and to experience the miracles that Jesus offered. And it, it would be like in here. He could be saying, everybody who's in earshot of what I'm saying, you're hearing what I'm, the, the noise is coming out of my mouth. You who hear me love your enemies. Or he could be talking to the people who are who he knows is going to be his disciples, who are going to not just fill their think tank with what his word says or what Jesus is saying, but they're going to go out and live it out. And those are the people who are going to face persecution. And so that's who I think he's talking to specifically, is the people who are not just hearing because, wow, this guy's a good speaker, or because he's, because what am I going to get out of it, but because they want to accurately go out and live what God's word says in their everyday life. And the first thing he says is love your enemies. Now that right there is a showstopper. I'm supposed to love my enemies. Now this kind of love is the kind of love that uh, in our in our bulletin I wrote it down here. Uh, love is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. At the Valentine's banquet, we touched on that a little bit. There was kind of a creative song that a guy had sang. And it's the kind of love that you choose to show. I mean, if you have an enemy, it's not this mushy gushy. I mean, I'm, I love my wife and I get, I get feelings, I get excitement, I get, I have this desire to love her, to show her that I care about her. My enemy does not do that for me. In no way, shape, or form is my enemy going to do that for me. I need, this is a love that you choose to do because of, of what God has done for you. And we're going to get back to that. Now, looking at this list of this list here, verses 27 through 36, we see what I would call like degrees of enemies, because you don't you have an enemy that doesn't just treat act one way. Different people act differently. The first thing we have is the enemy that hates you. They have this angry attitude towards you. You know, when you see them, that they do not like you. They have that snide look on their face or there's something in their eyes that says, if I could kill you with my eyes and get away with it, you would already be dead. Because I hate you. They may not physically do anything to you, but you just know that they hate you. There's enemies like that. There's those who curse you. This one to me is, is kind of almost funny because they're the ones who wish evil on you or they pray for evil. And I, I understand that there's people who are like that, but that more affects them than it does me. But there are people who only want what's bad for you. I don't know if you have any, if you know anybody who's like that, but there's, there are people, Caleb says, yes, I know people who only want what's bad for me. There's those who mistreat you. They threaten you. They're, so you have this fear that there's going to be something happening to you. I'm going to lose something. I'm going to get harmed physically. Something negative is going to happen. They're the ones who insult you. And they slander you. They may insult you to your face. They may insult you to other people. They're the kind of people who try to ruin your reputation. And like we discussed 
in Sunday school and even last week about how our tongue is a, a fire and how it's you cannot contain it, you cannot stop it. Once it goes, it's gone. And that's as us as Christians, but it's the same with the unbeliever. To the people who hate you, if I if I start slandering Darren everywhere I go, that's just going to run like wildfire and I'm never going to be able to stop that. It's not like a fire that you can actually contain it. You have no idea when it's going to stop and where it's going to go. And your enemy could do the same thing. They could speak evil of you that never stops and it goes. And that's irritating. Then you have the enemy that strikes you. Now this isn't like a uh, like you're a punching bag kind of beat you up thing that we're all like, you're putting up your dukes if someone's doing that. This was a pretty offensive thing. It's about the most offensive thing you could do to someone in that day is to slap them on the right side of their face and that was like the, the biggest insult that you can give them. It was a one, one time strike, but it showed that you did not agree with them, that there was, you did not, uh, it was a, a, shine, a sign of displeasure or, or unacceptance of what they were doing. There's those who take advantage of you, someone who takes their cloak. They would, you know, we go home, if you take my shirt, I'm gonna go home and just put another shirt on. It's not, I really do like this shirt, I picked it out myself, but I, if, if you take it, I have lots of other clothes, other shirts. If you, uh, if you take my coat, I can go do the same thing. For a lot of these people, you had one coat and you had one shirt. Hope you did your laundry a lot, right? <laughs> but you had one set. If someone takes that, you're, you're cold at night. You're gonna be missing out. And so, these are very real things that are gonna make people not just wanna respond in love. If you take my things, if you demand them, these people are not going to be like, okay, buddy, I love you and I want to do something nice for you. I want, I want a revenge. You know, I want to get even, but Jesus says that we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to do something positive for that person, which just does not make sense. When it comes to this list, we got to swallow hard before we do that. We say, okay, you don't like me. You say things that are mean, but you physically attack me. There's going to be a different response that I'm going to want to give. You know, the pagans back then, this is going to sound more like the response we want to give. The pagans back then is, they had like this tenfold rule. If you slap me, I'm going to break your neck. Uh, if you take my shirt, I'm going to chop off your hand. You know, that would deter a lot of people, and that's how we feel. You do something to me, I'm going to do something worse back to you. But there's also, uh, the ancient Hebrew response was lex talionis, which was the law of retaliation. If you take someone's life, that's what you get. You take out my eye, I gotta take out your eye. You burn me, you get burned back. And you even find that in Exodus 21 verses 23 to 25. The, the, the harm you cause somebody else is what you are going to experience yourself. And that would curb a lot of trouble for a lot of people. If you just, if you knew you were gonna get what you gave, that would stop a lot of people from doing anything. Now in America, we would not put up with that. We, we think it's not fair. We have, we have laws, we have police, we have protection that's going to curb a lot of those issues to where if people are going to get the punishment that they deserve. But back in the Bible time, they didn't have the police who ran around. They didn't have, they, have, they had uh, people who would turn their, their head away. They would have people who would get involved when, when uh, uh, Stephen was getting stoned. You had a bunch of people throwing rocks. You had Saul, who became Paul, who was holding his cloak. There's nobody trying to stop this. They're saying, go ahead, throw rocks harder. Here's another rock, throw it, throw it. And uh, so there was this persecution was something they just had to live with. And around the world today, you find that. Maybe not in Plevna or Baker or anywhere in Montana. You don't find the persecution that you face in other countries, but there's people who are 
who are meeting right now in underground churches who don't know when they walk out that door, what's going to be waiting for them? Who's going to snitch on them at the meeting that they thought was on their side? Who's going to be lose their job because it gets found out that they're a Christian? They're living in constant fear of persecution, and we don't even know about it. They have this real problem that they have to live with. But for each of these, these negative things that people, enemies do to these people, Jesus says, here, I have a positive response. The Eastern language or the Eastern religion just says the absence of doing something back is good. But Jesus says, hey, we're going to be proactive. We're not just going to refrain, which we should. If someone's going to curse me, I should refrain from cursing them back. If somebody hits me, I should refrain from hitting them back. But Jesus says, go a step farther. Be proactive. He doesn't just say, stay away, like a parent would say. You know, you're not getting along with your brother. Just stay away from him. You know, that's it. Or if there's some kid, a bully at school, just avoid that situation. Jesus says we got to do more. In Proverbs 25, verses 21 to 22, says, if your enemy is hungry, give him food. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and his the Lord will reward you. He says, if your enemy is, he says, do good to those who hate you. If you see your enemy that's in need, love them. Do something for them that they need. I, in Sunday school, we're actually going over that proverb. And so you guys can sleep for a while, you know, because a lot of this is repetition. But uh, I told a, a story about uh, an enemy that I had one time. And it was a, an enemy at church. And uh, the only thing I could do was think of what this verse says. Love your enemy. If he's hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. So during Awana, he was the game director. I went to the fridge and I'd say, oh, here's an ice cream bar here. And I would just walk across the floor and I'd give him the ice cream bar. He didn't think anything of it. I'd give him Pepsi. I'd give him extra cookies. I just, because all I could do, I couldn't, it was, it was hard to do anything else except for think of this verse. And here's some coals I'm dumping on your head. That's all I could think. Maybe God's not going to bless that. But that's all I could think was here's some coals I'm dumping on your head. And it, you know, ultimately now he's one of my friends back in Davenport. We, we communicate with, you know, on a frequent basis because we've, he finally got to the point where, okay, I'm going to refrain from doing this, and now we're friends. But it's not easy. For those who curse you, for those who pray against you or wish evil against you, he says to bless them. Now, that's the last thing that we want to do to people who are cursing us, who are wishing evil on us. But he says bless them. And what he means is pray for them. If you have an enemy that does not know the Lord, what can you expect from them except for whatever's naturally that they want to do? He says, pray for them. Pray for their salvation. Pray that they would see the error of their ways and they would stop doing those things that they're doing. But ultimately, that person needs salvation. And I imagine anybody in here who can look at my life before I was saved and after my, I was saved, there is something different in me, right? There's something different in you. And most likely, your enemy, once they get saved... If they're truly saved, there's going to be a difference. What they need is not a lecture. They don't need revenge. They need salvation, and we're supposed to pray for them for that. Uh, when, when they mistreat us, when they threaten us, and they insult us, pray for them. When you hear what they're saying about you, when they're insulting you at, to your face, when you hear, when you see them, when you think about them, pray for those people. Now, that's like... The last thing in the world we want to do is we, we want to dwell on those thoughts. I know, I know I do, and I know people who have, when people are, have done something har harmful to them, 
They don't want to pray for them. They just keep stewing about it and they keep talking about it. And it just goes on year after year of bitterness because of what this person has done. He says, pray for those people. And if you're praying for them, you're not going to be stewing. You're not going to be the one affected because as you probably know, if you're the one who's who's carrying around a, a grudge against somebody, you're the one who's suffering. That person has moved on 20 years ago or, or 10, 10 years ago and you're the one who's still suffering with it. So don't dwell on it, but pray for that person. So, and, and with all the things that they've done that has, has harmed you, the words that they've said that's gone out there like a wildfire, 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. Keep doing the right thing. Your reputation will eventually speak for itself. You know, I, I can picture... Uh, people accusing Noah of doing something. And I'm thinking, okay, certain things I could say, yeah, that sounds like Noah. But there's other things I'm like, that does not sound like Noah. He has a reputation. I mean, fortunately, I've known him his whole life. But if you guys have known each other for years upon years, and your reputation will eventually win out. Words may go, but your, your reputation will live out. So keep doing the right thing that you're supposed to be doing. Now, these next ones take a big stomach. It takes, you have to swallow a lot of pride in order to deal with these. The first thing is, is when someone strikes you on the face, like I said, that's like that, that hard slap across the right cheek, that's the biggest insult that they can give. You deck, you hit me, and my instant response is to do that back to you. I, I got picked on once in high school. My first response was not anything loving. It was just the hardest kick I could give them. And everybody in the locker room learned you didn't mess with Josh. I mean, everybody else would put up with it. I'm like, I'm not putting up with anything. Natural response. But he says, but it's, it's not being a punching bag. It's not like we're all afraid of is having somebody just stand there and just beat the tar out of you. This is the one, one and done. You can get away, get away. Jesus told his disciples, if you're being persecuted in one city, flee to the next and, and share the gospel. If you get persecuted, flee to the next. You're not standing there. Uh, being somebody's, uh, like I said, their punching bag where you just have to keep putting up with it. If someone's going to take advantage of me, they say that they need something and I have, and they're going to take something from me. I'm thinking, no way. I'm hanging on to this. I worked hard for this. I spent good money on this. I'm not going to let this happen. How many of you would want to tell your family and your kids to respond that way? To let them hit you. Don't hit them back. Let them take your stuff. We don't want that. That's like, no way. I mean, the dad part of me thinks, you're messing with my kid, you're going to mess with the daddy bear. You're not going to get away with this. Because I mean, I'm like, i gotta, I got to prove something for my kids. We all want justice. Now, I'm going to tell you, though, doing this takes discretion. If, if somebody's going to hit you, it takes discretion. If, you're gonna, if they're going to take something that's yours, it's going to take discretion. Because I have a wife and two kids. Now, if I give... If I say I'm going to give uh, somebody everything that they ask for, in five minutes, I'm not going to have a house. I'm not going to have any cars. I'm not going to have any money. And I'm going to be looking for a place to hide because I'm not going to have any clothes. It takes discretion. I love my family. I need to take care of them. But the, the idea is not to be uh, taken advantage to the full extent as possible. The idea is that you, if you see your enemy in need, to love him, to love her. Help him. Don't don't use the fact that they said something about you or they did something to you five minutes ago or 20 years ago. Keep you from showing love to them. 
when you have opportunity to love your enemy, love your enemy. It's not easy, but it's what we're called to do. And like I said, it's an act of your will. It's something you're going to choose to do. You're not going to have this mushy, gushy feeling like all of a sudden I want to love somebody that was hitting me, that was taking my stuff, that was slandering me. I'm not going to want to do that. I want revenge. It's my human nature. But I have to choose to love my enemies. You know, Jesus, when when we got saved, you know, he didn't make us worthy of salvation before he saved us. And verse 36 says, be merciful just as your heavenly father is merciful. And mercy is not treating us uh, as, our, as, as the way we deserve to be treated. The goal of loving our enemy is their salvation. And if we're loving them, they're more than likely to find an interest to respond back to, to realize that there is something different about us. If we hate them back, hate breeds hate. If we're mean to them, it's just going to stir up more and more anger, more and more revenge, and it's never going to stop. But if you can show love, you're going to keep burning coals on their head and hopefully they'll feel the shame and the guilt and they'll come around and they will realize that there is something about you and they're going to want that. So when you do share Christ with them, they'll say, Oh, that's why you're different. I get it now. I want that salvation. Now, I keep saying, love your enemy, love your enemy, love your enemy. And I wish I could say, here's a a how to do it. I mean, here's a list of of what it takes to love your enemy. Here's the step-by-step process. But I don't know of any step-by-step process. But I do have a couple of different ideas that might help us to love our enemies. The first one is to pray. And I know that's the answer. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, I know that one. Because that's the church answer. It's the cop-out one. But let me tell you, the only way you can love your enemy is with God's help. Because that kind of love, that brotherly love that you can show to your enemy is a supernatural love. You're not going to be able to conjure that up in yourself. I mean, there there are enemies who, if you if you watch in, on the news or the movies or hear stories of where there was somebody who risked their life to save their enemy. And they do that one time. And that, that person changes their life. Great. But in order to put up, to, to love somebody who keeps slandering you, who keeps cursing you, who keeps wishing evil, who keeps speaking about you, in order to keep doing that, you have to have supernatural love. And then you cannot get that from anywhere except for from God. you got to pray and ask God to help you to supernaturally love these people. And, you know, you got to remember the fact that Jesus went through this. Everything that he's talking to his disciples about, he went through. He was cursed. He was slandered. He was slapped. He was beat. He was killed all by his enemies. And if Jesus went through it, he knows how to help you get through it, too. So you got to go to him and ask him for your help, for his help. So the first thing you got to do is you got to pray. Like it, love it, don't, whatever. You got to pray because you need God's help. The second thing is you got to walk in the Spirit. In Galatians 5, it talks a lot about walking in the Spirit. What that means is to spend time with God all the time. It's supposed to be a 24-7 relationship. You're constantly reading His Word. You're constantly praying. You're constantly meditating on what He puts into your mind and on the scriptures that you read. If you got to walk with him all the time. All of a sudden, if you face an enemy, it's going to be too late. You're, if you just all of a sudden say, okay, God, please help me love this enemy, it's going to be pretty tough to do that. He, he can help you with that. But if you're walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, there's a natural response. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love. 
It's a natural thing. You're going to be doing that. If you're walking with God, with the Holy Spirit all the time, the natural response to your enemy is going to be love. And you don't know the next time you're going to face your enemy or you're going to acquire another enemy. So you need to start now. We need to start walking in the Spirit today reading his word, memorizing his word, thinking about it, praying, having a relationship with God that's going with God is going to help you have a relationship with each other when you're facing an enemy. Okay, so we need to pray for them, which is good. We need to have walk with the Spirit. We need to have this constant fellowship, this constant relationship with Jesus. Now the third thing is we need to do something for our enemy. I'm not saying bake them a cake. I'm not saying uh, buy them a new car. That might be what it takes. But the difference between the Eastern religion versions and this, like I said, they're just being, like we're just not doing anything negative to these people back, but Jesus is being proactive. We're going to do something for them. In Exodus chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, more Sunday school for you. We find this uh, a practical example of of loving their enemies Back in, in Bible times, Exodus chapter 23, verses 4 and 5. It says, if you come across your enemy's do- uh, ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you falling down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help him with it. If you see your enemy who is in need, help him. It's very simple. It's not easy to do, but the idea is simple. We see that they are hungry. We can help feed them. If we see them on the side of the road with a flat tire, we can stop and help them. We can offer to make a phone call. I was, you know, kids in school, when you get back to school, if you have an enemy and they're walking down the hall and all their stuff goes sliding because they trip over something, the enemy, you love your enemy by going and you help them and you help pick up their stuff and give it back to them. It's, it's very simple. And Jesus gives the, the answers of praying for them, of blessing for them, of doing good to them in any way that you can. So pray for them. That's for them. You walk in the Spirit, which is for you, because that's the only way you can do it, and do something good for them. Now, every time you have an enemy, just because you love these people, just because you're nice to them, doesn't mean it's going to make them turn around and love you back. They're not going to always get excited about the Lord. They're not always going to change your life. In Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21, we have, there's, there's a different response we can have. Uh, it's it's kind of like leaving it all into Jesus' hands because God knows what you're going through. He knows what those people are like. And so he, he, he gives some advice here in Romans chapter 12. It says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do everything within your power to live at peace with your enemy. Verse 19 says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, It is mine to revenge. I will repay, says the Lord. If we take care of it, it's almost as if God says, Okay, Josh, you thought that was revenge. Now, that's that's all he's going to get? I don't know. Uh, but guess who's not happy with me now just because I got revenge on him? God's not happy with me because it wasn't right for me to do it either. It says, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21 says, 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The, the goal in all this is their salvation. They need Jesus, and we need to show that love to Jesus. So then we get to this the golden rule, Luke chapter 6, verse 31. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, if you look at this whole passage, it seems like kind of a funny point to throw this in because Jesus is talking to his disciples. He would think he would gather up all the people who are persecuting the Christians and say, hey, guys, think about this. Do to these guys what you would want done to you. But Jesus is telling that to his disciples who aren't out persecuting anybody. They're not slandering anybody. They're not cursing anybody. But Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. And why would he do that? Well, the reason that I can come up with is because God is and God was merciful to us. In Romans 5.10, it talks about how we were all God's enemies. Before we got before we were saved, we were all enemies of God. And it says um, that God reconciled us to himself, which, which means God made it right between us and him and him through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross while we were still enemies. While we we're still sinners, God demonstrates his love for us. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins while we were still enemies. So he's saying, do to others what you want them to do to you. That's what I did for you. I showed that I loved you when you were my enemy. That's what you need to do for other people. But God was and God is merciful to your enemies just as well. In 1 John 2, 2, it says that he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid the price on the cross for their sins as well. And that's that's something that people debate. Did Jesus really pay for their sins? But look at it like this. Jesus gave gave you a check. I mean, if you get a check from work and you never sign it, I mean, you, you got this check that's worth $500 or $2,000 or $1,800. You have it in your your your, your hand. But if you never sign it and get it cashed, it's, it's worthless to you. All it is is a piece of paper. Jesus died and gave us salvation. But if you never cash in on it, it's not worth anything to you. So Jesus loved them that even though he they were not going to accept him as their savior, he says, I'm going to pay for their sins as well. In the bulletin, there's this clever phrase right here. God loves your enemy just as he as much as he loves you. We don't look at it that way because we look at sin and say, how, we, 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 uh, we, we lump sins together. We say that, you know, murder is obviously worse than lying, right? We don't go to the, the death chamber because you lied to somebody and stealing is not as bad as, as adultery. And we say that, uh, robbing the bank is not, is better than cheating, right? We, we categorize sins, but James 2.10 says, if you keep the whole law, and you stumble at one little point, you're guilty of breaking everything. So it doesn't matter if we look at each other and say, man, you're worse than me, or those people, my enemies are worse than me. It doesn't matter. Because God looks at each of us the same and says, they're a sinner that needs a Savior, and you're a sinner that needs a Savior. And God allowed Jesus to die on the cross at the same, for all of us, no matter what we did, whether we classified as something big or something small, we all still need that salvation just as much as he does. In Matthew chapter 5 verses 45, or chapter 5 verse 45, it's kind of a funny picture. He says, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
You don't see people running around with this dark spot with dry ground walking around them. And you don't see people with, uh, with the sunshine and the rain and everything's cheery. God says, you know what? I love everybody. I love, I'm gonna, the, the, my rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sunshine falls on the righteous and the unrighteous because I love everybody. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But just because you treat your enemy right does not mean that they're going to respond the right way. But that's not your job. Your job is to love your enemies. And if God loves us while we're his enemies, and if God loves your enemies, then how much more should we love our enemies as well? I don't know if I've already said it here. I know I said it in Sunday school. The whole world was his enemy. Every single person on the face of this earth was God's enemy. And he says, I'm going to pay for their sins. I might have one or two enemies, five in my whole lifetime. And I got to love those five like God loved the whole world and, and loved his enemies. Now, I want to, um, you know, it's, we know it's, it's easy to love those who, who love us. I mean, sinners alike do the same thing. I mean, if, if, if you are my best friend, it's easy for me to love you because you're, you're giving me what I need. Even people who you say they're kind of quirky, I don't really like them, but they're nice to you. It's easy to respond nicely to them, right? But even sinners do that. Even people who don't know the Lord, they get married. They live happily ever after as much as they can. They they have friends. They have parties. They lend to other people with expecting to be repaid. Just like if you, you love me and I love you, it's it's no different. What's different is when you say, I have this enemy, this person I do not get along with, and I love that person. So we come back, Jesus comes back to this idea of loving our enemies. It says, uh, but it, verse 35, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Your reward is going to be great. In Matthew six nineteen and 20, it talks about storing up your treasures in heaven. And you know what? Once your treasures get up there in heaven, they're safe. There's no way no one, you're going to have to share those. No one's going to be able to steal those things. They're there just waiting for you when you get there. But you're not going to get your reward down here. You're just, you're just, you're always constantly, I'm throwing my words ahead. I'm just trusting that they're going to be when I get there. He says your reward is going to be great. If you can love your enemies down here, you're going to be blessed with rewards for eternity. You're going to be sons of the Most High in heaven. Jesus gave us the exact example that we need to follow because he died on the cross. He, he did not, he did not retaliate. Uh, there's this, this really cool song, uh, that I've, I've heard around Easter time is he could have called 10,000 angels while he's up there on the cross. He could have said, Hey guys, you want to come down and show these guys who's boss that this is really true. And I'm going to get off here and prove to you guys that I am the son of God and you guys had your last chance. He did not do that. We have, we're, we have the same request of us to love our enemies that, that God showed to us. So just, just remember, when you guys, the, the enemy that comes to your mind or that difficult person or that person who you're going to go out the door and you're going to say, oh yeah, because you see them, whether it's your neighbor or a coworker, remember to love your enemies, those difficult people, pray for them, bless them, do good. If you have opportunity to share Christ with them or to show love to them in any way possible, 
Do it. You're, you will be rewarded for doing that. And if, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are God's enemy. And that's a very scary place to be. It doesn't feel like a big deal now, but you are God's enemy. But God says, I'm going to show love to you. I'm going to, I'm going to let the sun shine on you. I'm going to let the rain fall on you. I'm going to offer you the salvation that I've paid, but it's up to you. You got to make that choice. So if you're God's enemy, I pray that you do not leave these doors being God's enemy. Ask God that you could be on his side. Ask God that you could have everything made right between you and him and you will have salvation. And, and that's, that's what there is to salvation. It's asking Jesus for salvation and getting on his side and walking with him. So if you're God's enemy, please don't leave here being God's enemy. Please ask God to make things right between you and him. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I, I do thank you, God. I, I thank you that you gave us this this challenge. I know it's going to be difficult. It's going to be harder for some of us in here than others because they have more enemies, or or I have more enemies, and we have different uh, just different situations in our life. And I just pray, God, if anybody in here has an enemy that comes to mind right now or throughout the week, that you would please help them to love that person, help them to see them as you see them, because you love them. You don't want them going to hell. And we shouldn't want that either. You don't want them to experience the punishment uh, that they deserve. You don't treat us for the sins that we deserve. You offer us salvation and help us to want that for other people. I pray that we show grace. I show, pray that as we have opportunity to do good to them, that we would. And I, God, it's, it's, some, it's a love we only get from you. So I pray that we would have that love for our brothers, for our neighbors who need you as their savior, or that, yeah, who need you as their savior. And, God, if there really is anybody in here who is your enemy, I pray that you would reveal that to them. God, because you don't want any enemies. You want everybody to be on your side. God, and I just pray that they would come under conviction that they need you as their Savior and they would ask you for that salvation. I just pray for uh, the rest of this day. I pray for safety for those who are traveling. And I, I just thank you, God, again, for the men who gave their life so we could have freedom in this country. And I thank you for the gift of eternal life that we have um, from from the day we ask you as our as our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.